Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The Jews' goal was that the Messiah would be a natural man. He would be the son of David. As the Jews looked through their Old Testament, they concluded that Jesus was going to come from the line of King David. They were looking for a, and remember this, a human deliverer, a man, to come onto the scene and deliver them from the bondage of Rome. They were in the bondage of Rome, and they were looking for this human deliverer to come. He would be the Messiah. For an individual whose entire identity is laid out across the most popular book in all of history, people still struggle with who Jesus is. That struggle is really with ourselves, our flesh. We have everything we need to know the Savior, but we still try to fit Him into our idea of who He ought to be. That was the case before the Son even became man, and it's the case now. Some churches actually discard Scripture in order to paint a new picture of Jesus, but most of us just reinterpret His Word to suit our own needs. Both are grievous errors. If you want to know who Jesus is, you submit to His authority, the Word, so that you can grow and mature under His care. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 30, for part one of our message entitled, The Greatest Commandment in Action. Some people say that it does not matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about whatever you believe. Now that sounds modern, that sounds liberal, that sounds maybe freeing. Is it really true? Does it doesn't matter what you believe, even though you're sincere? I was here this week, and middle of the week, and went, and Pastor Rick were here, and he was on this big, huge lift. And I thought, because I was in this passage of Scripture, what if Pastor Rick sincerely believed that he could fly? <laughs> and he got his wings ready. And he stepped to the edge of that big lift up there and he just dove off. He was really sincere. What would happen to Pastor Rick? Where would he find himself? He might find himself in heaven flying to heaven or whatever. <laughs> you see... Even though we're sincere about what we believe, if we're believing the wrong things, it can be very detrimental, in fact, sometimes deadly to us. Remember Jim Jones' congregation that believed whatever, and look what they ended up, all committing suicide. So it does matter what you believe this morning. We're going to have two questions that we're going to ask you. And everybody, I'm going to ask you to repeat, not repeat, but really answer these two questions. It's going to be the first one at the beginning and the last one right at the end of our teaching. Two questions. How you answer these will determine where you're going to spend eternity. So they're pretty heavy questions. You remember that in Mark chapter 12, verse 35, we'll be there in a moment, you remember Jesus over all of chapter 12 has been talking to different religious groups. 
He's been talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Herodians, and last week he talked to a, a Jewish lawyer. They had been asking him all kinds of questions. They were really trying to trick him. Jesus responded to every question in a supernatural way that just blew them out of the water. So the scripture says in the verse preceding the one we're going to start with today, they stopped asking him questions because they had all the answers to life. By the way, in case you wonder if Jesus has the answer for your life, you betcha. He has the answer for every life. So now Jesus is going to do this. He's going to turn the tables and he's going to ask them a question. I like it. Let's follow through and see what his question is. Verse 35. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, How is it that the teachers of the law, the religious people, say that Christ is the son of David? Here's what Jesus says to them. What do you personally think about Jesus? You're the religious leaders. Now, he knew what they thought, but he was going to ask them to kind of voice it. What do you think about Christ? Who is the Messiah? What kind of person will he be? What kind of background? Where will he come from? What do you think about Jesus? If you and I would go door to door today, throughout our community, and we just knock on some doors and have a little a little script in front of us, and we'd ask this question. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Who is he? Who do you think he is? Why did he come? What kind of answers do you think we'd get? We would get all kinds of answers, many of them people that don't have a clue, others that are very sincere, but their answer is wrong. Some, hopefully, would get the correct answer. So the first question that I want you to ask you this morning is, what do you think about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to give you four choices, A, B, C, and D. Let's look at A. A, Jesus was a moral man who was also basically a a good teacher. Are there any people in our community that believe that? Yes. B, Jesus was a great prophet who stands equal to Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius. In other words, he's equal to other religious figures in history. C, some people say, well, no, that's not true. Jesus was God's son. I know that much. Who do you think I am? He's one of the many ways to God. Anybody believe that, you think, today? Yes. And D, Jesus was fully God and fully man. God's only son and the only way to God. Anybody have an idea what the right answer is? D. Now, you would think if you've been in church any time at all, you would understand that D is the answer because that's what the scriptures teach us. But listen what I read just recently from a a clergyman, Benjamin Chavis. Here's his statement. My foundation is Christianity. I am not turning against the church. I am not turning against against Jesus. Now remember, this is a clergyman. I still have Jesus in my heart, but Islam has given me a context to live Jesus. In other words, a clergyman says, I believe in Jesus, but I found the best way to express Jesus is by living by the principles of Islam. Hello. So we look at that statement and say, well, that can't be. That doesn't even sound right. 
Well, certainly it doesn't sound right, because it isn't right. Now, he may be sincere, but he's sincerely wrong. And the world listens to clergymen like this, and Jesus says, well, does it really matter who you think I am? Yes, it does. And Jesus is going to explain to them, he says, I'm going to give you enough facts so that you know who I am to the religious leaders. You see, the religious leaders standing before him were sincere, but they were only half right. They only stood halfway what Jesus stood for, who he was. This clergyman that I said to you told you his comment, he's half right. Being half right means you're... You got it. You got it. Is that important? Even if you're sincere, is it important? You betcha it's important. The Jews' goal was that the Messiah would be a natural man. He would be the son of David. As the Jews looked through their Old Testament, they concluded that Jesus was going to come from the line of King David. They were looking for a, and remember this, a human deliverer, a man, to come onto the scene and deliver them from the bondage of Rome. They were in the bondage of Rome, and they were looking for this human deliverer to come. He would be the Messiah. He would set up the kingdom of God on the earth. Israel will be put back into power like they used to be in the old days, and the nation of Israel would rule in power, and the Messiah would sit on this earth and rule over it. By the way, that day is going to come. It's going to come a long way down the road. Now, when you look at this, this is what the Jews thought. Jesus was going to be human. They were only half right. You see, God's goal was very different. God's goal was to send a Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, to deliver the people from the bondage, not of Rome, but of their sins. So they only understood half of the equation. Here's God's goal. The Messiah would be supernatural. He would be fully God, and he would be fully man. How many think we can understand somebody being fully God and fully man? You can't. That's why it's supernatural. It doesn't even make sense. But you'll see today that Jesus proves that's exactly who he is. See, if you're here today and you limit God to a box of your own making, you'll never find the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is supernatural in his ability, in his understanding. And you need to grasp that as you go through it. It's important that you understand this principle this morning because it's the whole basis of Christianity. So God's goal was for Jesus Christ to come, be fully God and fully man, the supernatural. Let's look at verse 36. So Jesus says, I'm going to show you who God is from your own scripture. By the way, right off of Mark 12, 36, you might want to write this in your Bible. This comes from Psalm 110, verse 1. It's an identical translation of Psalm 110, verse 1. So these people knew what Jesus was talking about. By the way, this psalm is a messianic song talking about Jesus Christ coming. So it says this, David himself, King David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now we're going to dissect this. This is why you have to have your brain on. David knew 
who the Messiah was going to be, that he was not only going to be just partly man, but fully man and fully God. We know this because the scripture really says, speaking by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So here's what David says. He will break this sentence down and you can write it as we go through. The Lord, it starts with, the Lord. In the Hebrew, that means Yahweh. It's God the Father. So David is saying this. God the Father said to somebody, said to my, David's Lord. Well, what did he say? That Lord is a different Lord in the Hebrew. It's Adonai, which is supreme authority, which means master, one in control, the coming Messiah. So, so far we have this. God the Father said to the Messiah, who happened to be whose Lord? David's. David's. Sit at my right hand. In other words, there would be a day that Jesus the Messiah, David understood, would sit at the right hand of God, which is the most important place next to God. He would sit at that right hand of God. Remember that, that highest place of honor, because I'll show you scripture where that's exactly happening this morning. Until I, who is that? God the Father, puts your enemies, the enemies of the Messiah, Christ, under whose feet? His feet. So here's what it says. God the Father says to the Lord of David, who is the coming Messiah, Jesus, Messiah, sit at the right hand of God. Someday, God will say to Jesus, go down to earth, put all the enemies under your feet, and you will be supreme in authority and under control. By the way, that day's coming. So now, when you read that, you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? What David is saying is this. He knew the Messiah is going to be man, but more than man, it's going to be his Lord. Look at verse 37. Jesus says to the, to the people there, Jesus says, now look at what David says. David himself calls him Lord. Then how can he be his son? And the large crowd listened to him with delight. Here's what Jesus says to them. If King David called the coming Messiah his Lord, he'd have to be something more than just his son. Now, those of you that have teenage children this morning, they would love for you to say to them, Hi, Lord, master of the house, ruler. Rule the roost, teenagers. Go ahead and do it. Some of them try to live like that, don't they? I'm just looking at some of their eyes right here. So what Jesus says is, would David say to his son, if he's only in the flesh, Lord, anointed one, master over me, not a chance, any more than you would to your teenager. So he says that David understood that the Messiah coming was going to be man, but more than man, he was going to be supernatural. He was going to be his own Lord, someone David would bow down to and worship. We don't worship humans. We only worship God. So Jesus says, your own king, King David, understood that the Messiah was more than just a man. So what Jesus is saying to these guys is this. The Messiah is both human and divine. He's both physical and supernatural. He's both David's son and David's Lord. Write this verse down. We won't go there this morning, but you'll find a confirmation of this many places. But here's a great passage. Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. So 
What we find, and follow me now, in the lineage, if you look at your lineage this morning and you want to go back to your great-grandfather and great-great-great-whatever, you can follow your lineage. Here's what we know from Jesus and his lineage. Jesus physically was a descendant. In the physical realm was a descendant from King David. You can trace his line. When we go through the book of Matthew, when we start the book of Matthew, we have all these, and he begat, and he begat, and he begat, and he begat. We'll go through all that. Actually, David was at the beginning of the line, and from that line, way down thousands of years later, we have two people, Joseph and Mary, were both in the lineage of King David. Now, when Jesus was born, he was born of a physical woman, wasn't he? And who was that? Mary. And she was in whose line? King David. So she came that way. So from the physical aspect of Jesus, he is fully what? Man. Human. Now, who impregnated Mary? Wasn't Joseph. If it's Joseph, we're in trouble. Not only is Joseph in trouble, but we're in trouble. And you'll see that why. So the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. How many believe you understand that? Say no. Just say no. Don't go there. We don't understand it. It's a truth, but we don't understand. You don't understand how that could even be. So we have through Mary, who is a relative of who? King David. We have the lineage that he, Jesus is fully what? Man. Over here, we have the spiritual lineage of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. And over here, we have the lineage of Jesus being born, that he was not only fully man, but he was fully God, because the Holy Spirit is God. It's from God. So that's where the confusing thing comes. And that's why I say to you this morning, you'll never understand it. You just have to take the word as truth. Because, see, our minds don't understand, really, the things of the Spirit, the supernatural part. We just have to agree with it. We don't understand. Stop and think how the world came into being. You go crazy. You just take it as a matter of fact that in the beginning, God. Try for a moment to think about that God always has been. Don't even go there anymore. You'll be totally confused. So there is a truth. And what we're saying is here, according to the flesh, Jesus was a descendant of David. But according to the Spirit, he was declared to be the Son of God. Now, you still have your thinking cap on? Here's an easier one. It's going to get easy. The rest of the sermon's easy. All right? No headaches. If Jesus is not God's son, then he was just a man. Is there any problem with that? And there's big problems. If the neighbor that you go to says that, well, I don't believe in any of that. I just believe Jesus was a good teacher and a good man. Do we have any problems? We have big problems. Number one, we have no forgiveness of sin. Because if Jesus was born of a human man and a human woman, he was born in the line like all of us were, and the scripture says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he had to have the supernatural perfectness of the Holy Spirit to be born sinless. If he's only man, we might as well go home today. Go home early, have lunch, don't ever come back to church, because there's nothing to offer anybody. We not only are dead in our sins, we're all headed to hell, and there's no way to be right with God. But I have good news. He isn't only fully man, he's also fully God. Because of that, that good news, we look at three things. And I'll just give you the verses. Mark 1, 11, God claimed that Jesus was his son. And here's what it says. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love and with you 
I am well pleased. Secondly, Jesus claimed he was God's son. Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before him. I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Now turn to the book of Hebrews. Keep your finger there, Mark. We'll be right back. Turn to the book of Hebrews. And let's show you that the testimony of God's word is true. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. The book of Hebrews, chapter 1. See, when you come to these areas that are, you're learning a little bit of theology. When you come to these areas and you, you learn principles that apply to your life that are foundational, just like 2 and 2 equals 4 or whatever, you'll find these principles in the Bible in different places so that you can back them up. And here's what Jesus says through the person who wrote Hebrews, possibly Paul. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, again writing to the Jews, the Hebrews, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, by the way, if you don't think these are the last days, Wake up. These are the last days. In the last days, he has spoken to us by who? His son. And how does he speak to us? By his son. The word of God is the flesh in flesh and he dwelt among us. This is God's son, the word. He speaks to us through his word, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Verse 3 isn't key. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In other words, the sun, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is an exact reputation of God because he is God. He's supernatural. And he sustains all things by his powerful word, supernatural. After he provided purification for sins, now notice where he sits down, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. Where is Jesus today? He's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. What did David say he would do? He would sit at the right hand, the place of honor. This is the Messiah. This is the proof again. Now, Jesus Christ came. And he came to this earth as fully man and fully God. He was sinless. He died on the cross for every person's sin. He went into the grave. He was resurrected from the grave. He then sits at the right hand of God today. And what is he doing there? He's interceding for you and for me. Let me give you a little idea what's happening. This morning, this will be God. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. Now, what is he going to do at this right hand? Well, here's what he's going to do. Jesus is here. And here's what he says. Dad, that's his God, Dad. Father, you know this Balmer guy? Yesterday was not a good day for him. And he sinned, but he's come and asked forgiveness for his sins. And Dad, you remember, I, I died on the cross for everybody's sins. Balmer's a good guy. Go ahead and forgive him. He's there interceding for me. In today's message from the Gospel of Mark, we heard about the complicated fact that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. He became the pathway to God, who would intercede on our behalf and save us from our desperately sinful state. 
We heard how it's a tendency for some churches to lean heavily on Jesus as a man and either downgrade or deny his divinity. Pastor Mark explained how Jesus is both David's son and his Lord. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll continue through Mark chapter 12, considering how people look at Jesus and how it affects the way they accept Him as Savior. There is a dangerous cycle of sinning, asking for forgiveness, sinning and asking for forgiveness as a lifestyle. Because the person has never moved past seeing Jesus as just a forgiveness giver. As we'll see, He's much, much more than that. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.